If your funds come from super PACs, you will never have our backs. As their puppet, you will be part of the plutocracy. Support a living wage Or take a stand on climate change You can't endorse health care for all If you're at their beck and call If you sell out to Charles and Dave already dug your grave Don't bury us along with you Like narcissists and cowards do Dark money is your ticket now Their motives are your sacred cow If you accept their bribery You cannot advocate for me You may flip-flop, dive, and swerve Two masters you can never serve And that was Two Masters, Song About Citizens United and Bernie Sanders by Smooch McGee, which you can find on YouTube by searching for Smooch McGee. And we'll hear more of that same song at the end of the program. Greetings and welcome back to Bernie 2016. This is an independent podcast established to follow and comment on Bernie Sanders' candidacy for President of the United States. This podcast is completely independent of any candidate, party, or PAC. If you want to send me a message, you can reach out to me at BernieUS2016 at gmail.com. Or you can follow me on Twitter at BernieUS2016. And just want a little shout out here to all of my followers on Twitter, up to 470 followers on Twitter. Uh, When I started this out, I, you know, never really expected to have that kind of reach. So it's great to see that and that it's really continuing to grow. You can find out more about Bernie 2016 at Bernie-2016.com. On that site, you will can view the Flipboard magazine that I maintain called Bernie for President. And that magazine now is up to 10,000 articles and has 305 subscribers and has had over 11,000 viewers So very excited and I want to thank everyone who's following that Flipboard magazine on the Flipboard app as well. And of course, for any of you who listen to this podcast regularly but aren't following me on Twitter or haven't seen or don't have, uh, don't use the Flipboard app, um, to see my Flipboard magazine, although you don't have to have the app, you can check that out on the website Bernie2016, Bernie-2016.com. 
2016.com and you can see all the links and all the articles there as well. So if you are listening but you aren't uh, following those other resources that I maintain, you know, I really appreciate you listening, tuning in to this podcast on a regular basis. I started this out just because I wanted to do something to support Bernie Sanders' candidacy, and I knew that this was something that I was capable of doing, capable of maintaining, and that would could potentially have a significant reach. So I'm really uh, encouraged to see that uh, the audience out there is growing. In addition to this podcast, there are a couple other really good podcasts out there. There's one called What Would Bernie Sanders Do? And that's a, a really good podcast done by a couple people. I believe they're out of the Chicago area um, and uh, talk a lot about what's going on in the Bernie campaign. And then there's another podcast out there that I'm aware of called Searching for Bernie. And that is done by a father and son team who uh, have gone out to Bernie rallies and have done some interviews um, with various people they know and with some um, people that are involved in politics. Their most recent episode had an interview with Mike Dukakis talking about Bernie and talking about Hillary, who Mike Dukakis does support, and talking about um, Senator... Uh, Elizabeth Warren from Massachusetts, who Dukakis was a very, very strong supporter of in her race for the Senate. So um, there's a couple other podcasts out there that I listen to on a regular basis and and I get some great information from. So uh, again, thanks for listening to me here and definitely check those out um, and all the fantastic media that the people are putting out there um, who support Bernie Sanders. So the big news is that the New Hampshire primary is done. The voters of New Hampshire have voted and they have really overwhelmingly voted to support Bernie Sanders. Some of the polling did indicate that uh, this was a potential outcome, but with everything stacked against Bernie as far as endorsements and media and the um, debate schedule. I mean, everything that really Bernie is up against in his run. It's just fantastic to see that, you know, in the end, while that has an impact, um, it doesn't matter more than the people matter and the voters matter. So, just um, absolutely amazing results from New Hampshire, where final results uh, have been in. 100% of the precincts have reported, finally. As of midday today, I was still seeing results from about 96% of the precincts. Um, and Bernie Sanders overall, he won 151,584 votes in New Hampshire, 60.4% of the total of the votes there, the popular vote. And Clinton won a little more than 95,000 votes, 
of the popular vote. It's actually a lower percentage total than Clinton had when she ran in 2008. And she ran, she actually won with that total. She was a little bit over 39% when she ran in 2008. And I find that really pretty fascinating that with all of the changes, with fewer opponents in uh, the race in 2016 versus 2008, where she was up against Obama, who was very strong. She was up against Edwards, who actually was pretty strong as well, and some other candidates as well. Um, but with all of the support that she has built with building up her ground game, with getting into the states early, with all of the backing she has gotten from the political supporters, I mean, I mean the, the political um, establishment, the, the, the senator of New Hampshire, the governor of New Hampshire, um, the representative from New Hampshire, all aligned with Hillary. And still, she ended up with fewer votes than she ended up with in 2008, where she, I'm sure, had a significant amount of support. But I don't think she had the amount of support she is aligned with in this race back in 2008. So when you start to look at the in detail at New Hampshire, it's absolutely incredible. There are 300 precincts in New Hampshire, and Hillary managed to out outgun or or uh, the voters voted in Hillary's favor in four out of the 300 precincts in New Hampshire. And of the four that went for Hillary, two of those went for Hillary by one vote. Uh, Millsfield, is, which is a, a early voting town, there's a, a few towns, very, very small towns in northern New Hampshire that vote at midnight. There's um, rules in the uh, New Hampshire primary that if all of the voters will come and cast their votes in a town, then that town can open their polls at midnight and then close them shortly thereafter. I'm sure there's a specific window of time. So in Millsfield, Clinton did manage to beat Sanders, and she got a total of two votes in Millsfield, and Sanders got one. So she beat Bernie by one vote in Millsfield. And then if you head uh, down to uh, just a little north of the center of the state, you hit Waterville Valley. Waterville Valley is known for its uh, skiing area, skiing mountain. And Clinton managed to get 55 votes in Waterville Valley, and Sanders got 54. So for you uh, individual in Waterville Valley who decided that it didn't matter, decided that your vote wouldn't count. Well, every vote certainly count counted in Waterville Valley. And then you head down south and the in the town of Bedford, um, Hillary won by about fifty votes out of oh, thirty about thirty four hundred votes cast. And finally in Hillary's favor was Let's see. This is the town of Wyndham. I used to live in New Hampshire. I used to live in a town right near Wyndham, right uh, 
almost in between Wyndham and Bedford in the town of Londonderry. Anyway, in Wyndham, um, out of about 2,000 votes cast, Hillary won by about 59 votes. So I think the net, in, in all of the precincts, all of the towns that Hillary won, she ended up with a net of about 107 votes over Bernie Sanders. Um, of course, those were the results from the four places where Hillary won. And out of the 300 places that voted. So that leaves the other uh, 296 um, towns and or, or precincts in which Bernie Sanders won. Early on in the voting, there was one other town that was showing that it went for Hillary Clinton. And it did look like an odd result when I was taking a look at it. But the town of Croydon, who had um, about 124 votes cast, um, the initial results from the town of Croydon showed that Clinton had 17 votes and Sanders had none, um, and that, un oddly, Clinton had 77% of the vote total. And I thought, well, maybe there were a lot of write-ins or a lot of people who voted for other candidates. Well, lo and behold, someone forgot to input Bernie's vote total for the town of Croydon when they were, either when they were recording the totals as reported by the state or when someone took those totals and added them to the results on the Huffington Post uh, site. And so during the day today, that uh, town of Croydon, which was looking like it was in Hillary's column, flipped over to Bernie Sanders' column when they finally um, included Bernie's votes in the total. And as I mentioned, Clinton had 17 votes in the town of Croydon, and Bernie Sanders had 107. So it was a landslide. Uh, this is, of all the towns that I've taken a look at, other than maybe a couple of very, very small towns with, um, you know, 20 votes or less, which obviously can have some very giant percentages in, in variance, um, this town has the, the biggest, one of the biggest variances I've seen. 80.5% of the votes in Croydon went for Bernie Sanders. 12.8% went for Hillary. Let me take a look and see if I can find a couple other spots here. One of the towns that was pretty late in um, their returns in getting their results in was the town of Durham. And uh, another one was, um, let me think if I can remember. Well, the town of Durham, um, I wasn't uh, very concerned at all that, that the Durham votes were coming in very late because the town of Durham hosts the University of New Hampshire. And as we know, the Young people, the millennials, uh, really support Bernie um, with very, very large margins. So I thought that this would uh, be the case in the town of Durham as well. And Bernie did win 70.7% of the vote in Durham to Clinton's 
And there was one other college town that was late to report. And I'm not remembering off the top of my head exactly which one that was. Um, but just overall, absolutely amazing, absolutely phenomenal win by Bernie in New Hampshire. Um, it was in some corners expected. There were some polls that, that showed him. There was one poll that even showed him up by about 30 points. Um, but in, on average, uh, the polling was showing that Bernie was ahead by about 15 in New Hampshire. So I think that most people believed that he would win. Uh, Nate Silver, who's pretty well known for some accurate um, for some accurate um, polling. And I don't know that he does the polling himself, but he analyzes the polls. So really has some accurate predictions. Um, he gave Bernie a 99% chance to win New Hampshire before the voting started. So that all panned out largely as expected. What was less known is what would that mar really, what would that final margin be? Um, you know, we saw in Iowa that, that Hillary was leading on average by about four to five percent before that vote happened. And Bernie closed that gap and, and it ended up in, in very, very close to a tie with Hillary slightly edging out Bernie in Iowa. So in New Hampshire, there are about 32 delegates, but one of the problems with the whole way that the DNC has set up their caucus and primary system is the issue of superdelegates. So even though Bernie won uh, 60% of the vote to Hillary's 38% of the vote, he came out with about 15 delegates, and Clinton ended up in the neighborhood of nine delegates and those are the delegates awarded by the popular vote that that line up with the percentage that the candidate achieves but on top of those delegates new hampshire has eight super delegates and those are um party insiders the establishment if you will they're candidates and they are people that are high level in the democratic party get to be super delegates. So essentially they get to cast their own votes. Um, the equivalent of a delegate, um, each one has, and they get to cast a vote for whomever they want. And it doesn't have to be aligned with anything whatsoever other than whatever they choose. Hillary has worked very hard to get commitments from as many delegates, as many super delegates as she can ahead of the voting. And, Six of the superdelegates in New Hampshire have pledged to support Hillary. Um, and that's not locked in. There's no, there's no rule. There's nothing that forces them to vote in the way that they've pledged to vote at this point, though by and large, most of them will, barring any um, major unforeseen circumstances. So in the end, if those superdelegates don't uh, change their mind and don't determine that they would prefer Bernie later on in the in the race. Um, they, they don't have to actually cast their votes in, for a candidate until the um, Democratic convention in the summer. So uh, there's some time to change some minds. But currently, if those uh, superdelegates don't change their vote, then the, Bernie and Hillary essentially come out of New Hampshire, despite Bernie's huge popular vote win, with the same number 
of delegates. So they each have 15 committed or pledged delegates. And there are two delegates that, two super delegates, that still at this time appear to remain uh, unpledged or uncommitted to a particular candidate. So kudos to everybody out there um, that works on Sanders' campaign, everybody out there that volunteers, everybody out there that works to uh, broadcast uh, Bernie's message and fights for Bernie online, in the streets, on the phone banks, um, canvassing door-to-door. I mean, you all are absolutely amazing. Um, Bernie didn't win this. We won this. So, you know, kudos and thanks to all of you out there and uh, that, that made New Hampshire happen. And, of course, um, two down and uh, 48 primaries and caucuses, maybe 49. And maybe Puerto Rico has a caucus or primary as well. Um, but uh, long way to go. And so we've got to keep up the fight keep up the focus, make sure we um, put out Bernie's message as often and as effectively as we can. So um, the votes the votes were coming in. Clinton, Clinton, of course, does lots of internal polling and really kind of knew, knew the answer before most of the official numbers came in. And, and Sanders' campaign is uh, no slouch there as well. They were keeping close tabs on what was going on. They had a pretty good idea of where they would end up. So Hillary conceded in a speech in which um, many people commented that she sounded a lot like Bernie Sanders in her concession speech in New Hampshire. Um, And Bernie then came out and uh, gave his victory speech. And here it is. Thank you, New Hampshire. Shortly after the polls closed, Secretary Clinton called and was very gracious in her congratulations. I thank her for her call, and I congratulate her and her supporters for the vigorous campaign they ran in New Hampshire. And let me take this opportunity to thank the many, many thousands of volunteers here in the Granite State who work so tirelessly. Our volunteers worked night and day, made phone calls, and knocked on a heck of a lot of doors. because of your energy. Thank you all so much. And I want to thank Julia Barnes and our great campaign staff. Together, we have sent the message that will echo from Wall Street to Washington from Maine to California. And that is 
that the government of our great country belongs to all of the people and not just a handful of wealthy campaign contributors and their super PACs. Nine months ago, we began our campaign here in New Hampshire. We had no campaign organization. We had no money. And we were taking on the most powerful political organization in the United States of America. And tonight, with what appears to be a record-breaking voter turnout, and the excitement that the Democratic Party will need to succeed in November. What happened here in New Hampshire in terms of an enthusiastic and aroused electorate, people who came out in large numbers, that is what will happen all over this country. never forget, Democrats and progressives win when voter turnout is high. Republicans win when people are demoralized and voter turnout is low. Tonight, we serve notice to the political and economic establishment of this country that the American people will not continue to accept a corrupt campaign finance system that is undermining American democracy, and we will not accept a rigged economy in which ordinary Americans work longer hours for lower wages, while almost all new income and wealth goes to the top 1%. I want to take this opportunity again to congratulate Secretary Clinton and her organization and supporters for waging a vigorous campaign. I hope that in the days ahead we can continue to wage a strong, issue-oriented campaign and bring new people into the political process. But I also hope that we all remember, and this is a message not just to our opponents, but to those who support me as well, that we will need to come together in a few months 
and unite this party and this nation because the right-wing Republicans we oppose must not be allowed to gain the presidency. As we all remember, the last time Republicans occupied the White House, their trickle-down economic policies drove us into the worst economic downturn since the Depression of the 1930s. No, we will not allow huge tax breaks for billionaires. We will not allow Packed huge cuts to Social Security, veterans' needs, Medicare, Medicaid, and education. No, we will not allow back into the White House a political party which is so beholden to the fossil fuel industry that they cannot even acknowledge the scientific reality of climate change. Let it go to The people of New Hampshire have sent a profound message to the political establishment to the economic establishment, and, by the way, to the media establishment. The people here have said is that given the enormous crises facing our country, it is just too late for the same old, same old establishment politics and establishment economics. The people want real change. What the American people are saying, and by the way, I hear this not just from progressives, but from conservatives and from moderates, is that we can no longer continue to have a campaign finance system in which Wall Street and the billionaire class are able to buy elections. what their political view may be, understand that that is not what democracy is about. That is what oligarchy is about. And we will not allow that to continue. I do not have a super PAC, and I do not want a super PAC. And I am deeply moved, far more than I can express in words, 
by the fact that our campaign's financial support comes from more than one million Americans who have made more than 3.7 million individual contributions. more individual contributions than any candidate in the history of the United States up until this point in an election. And you know what that average contribution was? to New York City tonight and tomorrow, but I'm not going to New York City to hold a fundraiser on Wall Street. Instead, I'm going to hold a fundraiser right here, right now, across America. My request is, please go to berniesanders.com and contribute. Please help us raise the funds we need, whether it's 10 bucks or 20 bucks or 50 bucks. Help us raise the money we need to take the fight to Nevada, South Carolina, and the states on Super Tuesday. So there it is. That's our fundraiser. Pretty quick. Now, what the American people understand is that our great country was based on a simple principle. And that principle is fairness. Let me be very clear. It is not fair when we have more income and wealth inequality today than almost any major country on earth. And when the top one-tenth of one percent now owns almost as much wealth as the bottom 90 percent, that's not fair. It is not fair when the 20 wealthiest people in this country now own more wealth than the bottom half of the American people. So are you guys ready for a radical idea? Together, we are going to create an economy that works for all of us, not just the 1%. of our people are working for starvation wages, yup, we're going to raise the minimum wage to 15 bucks an hour. And we are going to bring pay equity for women. And when we need the best educated workforce in the world, 
Yes, we are going to make public colleges and universities tuition free. And for the millions of Americans struggling with horrendous levels of student debt, we are going to substantially ease that burden. In America, people should not be financially distressed for decades for the crime, the crime of trying to get a higher education. That's absurd. Well, my critics say, you know, Bernie, that's a great idea. You're into all this free stuff. How are you going to pay for it? I will tell you how we're going to pay for it. We're going to impose a tax on Wall Street speculation. The greed, the recklessness, and the illegal behavior of Wall Street drove our economy to its knees. The American people bailed out Wall Street. Now it's Wall Street's time to help the middle class. And when we talk about transforming America, it means ending the disgrace of this country having more people in jail than any other country in the world, disproportionately African-American and Latino. Not only are we going to fight to end institutional racism and a broken criminal justice system, going to provide jobs and education for our young people, not jails and incarceration. And let me say that as a member of the Energy Committee in the Senate and the Environmental Committee, the debate is over. Climate change is real. It is caused by human activity, and it is already causing devastating problems in this country and around the world. We have a moral responsibility to work with countries throughout the world to transform our energy system away from fossil fuel to energy efficiency and sustainable energy. Now, I have been criticized during this campaign for many, many things. Every single day, that's okay, that's all right. They're throwing everything at me except the kitchen sink, and I have the feeling that kitchen sink is coming pretty soon as well. But what our campaign is about is thinking big, not small. It's about having the courage to reject the status quo. 
It's about saying that at a time when every major country on earth guarantees health care to all of their people, we should be doing the same in our great country. In my view, under President Obama's leadership, the Affordable Care Act has been an important step forward. No question about it. But we can and must do better. Twenty-nine million Americans should not remain uninsured. An even greater number should not be underinsured with large deductibles and co-payments. We should not be paying by far the highest prices in the world for prescription drugs at a time, listen to this, when the top three drug companies in this country made $45 billion in profit last year. That is an obscenity. And let me tell you something. When we make it to the White House, when we make it to the White House, the pharmaceutical industry will not continue to rip off the American people. And further, it makes no sense that as a nation, we continue to spend far, far more per capita than do the people of any other nation, all of whom guarantee health care to all of their people. And that is why I believe in a Medicare for all single-payer program. which will not only guarantee health care for all, but will save the average middle-class family thousands of dollars a year in health care costs. My friends, we all know that we live in a dangerous and complex world. As President, I will defend this nation, but I will do it responsibly. I voted against the war in Iraq. And that was the right vote. While we must be relentless in combating terrorists who would do us harm, we cannot and should not be the policemen of the world. Nor should we bear the burden of fighting terrorism alone. In the Middle East, the United States must be part of an international coalition sustained by nations in the region that have the means to protect themselves. Together, we must and will destroy ISIS, but we should do it in a way that does not put our young men and women in the military into perpetual warfare in the quagmire of the Middle East.
My friends, we must fix our broken immigration system that divides families and create a path toward citizenship for hardworking people who are living in the shadows. We must strengthen and expand Social Security and increase the benefits that seniors and disabled vets receive so that people can live in dignity in their retirement. We must rebuild our crumbling infrastructure, and when we do that, we create millions of decent-paying jobs. We must pursue the fight for women's rights, for gay rights, for disability rights. We must, against stronger and stronger opposition, protect the right of a woman to control her own body. must protect the men and women who serve our nation in uniform and protect our veterans who put their lives on the line to defend us. My friends, we must tell the billionaire class and the 1% that they cannot have it all at a time of massive wealth and income inequality, the wealthiest people and largest corporations in this country will start paying their fair share of taxes. My friends, I am the son of a Polish immigrant who came to this country speaking no English and having no money. My father worked every day of his life, and he never made a whole lot. My mom and dad and brother and I grew up in a small three-and-a-half-room rent-controlled apartment in Brooklyn, New York. My mother, who died at a young age, always dreamed of moving out of that apartment, getting a home of her own, but she never realized that dream. The truth is that neither one of my parents could ever have dreamed that I would be here tonight standing before you as a candidate for President of the United States. the promise of America, and this is the promise we must keep alive for future generations. What began last week in Iowa, what voters here in New Hampshire confirmed tonight, is nothing short of the beginning of a political revolution.
a political revolution that will bring tens of millions of our people together. It will bring together working people who have given up on the political process. It will bring together young people who have never participated in the political process. It will bring together blacks and whites, Latinos, Asian Americans, Native Americans, straight and gay, male and female, people who were born in America and people who immigrated here. We will all come together to say loudly and clearly that the government of our great nation belongs to all of us, not just a few wealthy campaign contributors. That is what this campaign is about. That is what the political revolution is about. So, New Hampshire, thank you again. And now it's on. Thank you, New Hampshire. And now it's on to Nevada, South Carolina, and beyond. And that was Bernie Sanders with his victory speech from New Hampshire when he won his incredible victory there with uh, 60.4% of the popular votes cast in the state. So incredible job. And um, on we go to the next race. When the next race is in Nevada, following that we have South Carolina. And not long after we have Super Tuesday where nine states will run their caucuses and primaries on the same day. I believe that's all coming up on March 9th. So as you heard in uh, Bernie's speech, he um, talked about not taking the money from the super PACs, not taking the uh, money from the billionaires to help support his campaign. And he did a little fundraiser there in the middle of his speech he asked for people to go online and to donate 10 bucks, 20 bucks, 50 bucks, whatever they could towards the campaign so that he would have the resources um, to be able to take his campaign to the next races and to Super Tuesday and to all of the contests beyond. And I think a bit telling, even though all, there haven't been any polls released since uh, Sanders won in New Hampshire. So Hillary's still leading in the Nevada and the South Carolina polls by a, a pretty significant margin. Um, but Hillary's campaign also was uh, playing down their um, opportunity for victory in Nevada and even in South Carolina. They actually came out and said, well, these next two contests are important, but they're not really the big ones. And, you know, all in all, the first four contests don't make or break the entire campaign. It's everything that comes after. 
And that's certainly the case when you're looking at uh, counting up your delegates and uh, trying to get to the the magic number of, uh, I think it's in the neighborhood of 2,200 um, delegates that uh, the candidates need to get a victory in the nomination. Um, but it's really interesting where Hillary has an opportunity to promote and sell and actualize a really big win in Nevada or in South Carolina, which will really get her back on track as far as the media goes and as far as uh, the momentum goes. So it's um, kind of strange to see her downplay those. Although, like I said, they've got their, their polling um, in place and uh, going all the time. And maybe they see some shifts there that really haven't shown up in the um, polls projected or polls uh, released by the media yet. So anyway, as I started to say, um, Bernie did his little uh, fundraiser in the middle of his um, speech. And I got an email from Bernie today. And this is actually at uh, 7.30 p.m. today. So it's really pushing towards the end of the day. And this is what his email says. Earlier today, we set an audacious goal of raising $6 million in contributions after the polls closed in New Hampshire. Well, you already crushed that goal just a, in just a couple of hours. So in the spirit of this campaign, we're going to reach for a bigger but difficult goal, raising $7 million by the end of the day today. I'll be honest, right now the math looks difficult to raise another $1 million today, but I think it's important for us to try, and not just because there are 14 primaries and caucuses over the next three weeks. And then the uh, the email shows the total. The total at the time that they sent the email out was $6,382,317 contributed. Um, and this is like in the 24 hours after the polls closed in New Hampshire. And with their new stretch goal to reach $7 million by the end of the day tonight. So um, absolutely phenomenal. Coming off his great win in New Hampshire. Absolutely phenomenal fundraising coming out of this. This is really going to um, give Bernie's campaign the resources to make the uh, next contest really count. Um, The online fundraising platform that Bernie uses to collect the majority of his donations is called Act Blue. And after the uh, polls closed yesterday in New Hampshire and Bernie made that announcement, I was uh, seeing online a lot of people saying that um, get, connecting to Act Blue was very tough. Once they submitted their um, donations via Act Blue, it took you know, four minutes, five minutes for those uh, donations to finalize. And that's something that usually is is pretty, pretty instant, a few seconds for those to normally finalize. So Bernie was killing Act Blue and Bernie's supporters, I should say, were killing Act Blue with just the um, quantity of support that was flowing in at that time. So a couple more pieces I wanted to cover 
in this episode. And one's a bit related to uh, what I was talking about with the fundraising and Bernie not having any super PAC and not um, raising any money from the billionaires. Well, as with all things, as Bernie is running a a very, um, very um, modern and honest and uh, just um, a campaign that's not couched and not draped in all of the ordinary or all of the common um, campaign tactics and the use use of big super PACs and big uh, money in the campaign. And Sanders has big money, but his big money doesn't come from the billionaires. But since Sanders is running with that really strong message, um, he's getting accused of having super PACs and accused of taking big money because there are some people with big money who are supporting uh, Bernie Sanders. And one of the biggest ones is one that gets is getting called out a lot in the media as kind of Bernie's support from a pack, and he won't uh, tell this pack that they should stop supporting him. But this is the pack from um, Nurses National Nurses United. Yeah, National Nurses United is the union that endorsed Bernie quite a while back. And that union does have a pack, and that union is spending an awful lot of money to support Bernie Sanders. And I see it this very regularly couched negatively as kind of a, a dig at Bernie that he's not being honest because he is accepting this support from this union. But the full story is, isn't told very often. Um, and this particular article that I came across does get a lot more into the detail and the nuance that makes this a little bit different, and in my opinion, quite a bit different from the Garden Variety Super PAC that the likes of Bush and Clinton have that raise, you know, 60, 70, 100 million dollars uh, primarily from millionaires and, and very, very wealthy donors. So this piece is from Politico.com by Kenneth P. Vogel. Bernie Sanders rails against super PACs, but the main super PAC supporting his presidential campaign had its biggest off-year fundraising haul ever, bringing in $2.3 million last year, according to a report filed on Sunday morning with the Federal Election Commission. The super PAC, National Nurses United for Patient Protection, is affiliated with the nation's largest union of registered nurses, National Nurses United, and its members have been near constant presence at Sanders rallies. National Nurses United for Patient Protection spent $1.3 million in the second half of the year, including donations totaling nearly $400,000 to a pair of other unlimited spending groups supporting Sanders. The California-based Progressive Kick received $245,000, and the Chicago-based Reclaim Chicago got $150,000. Most of the direct spending by National Nurses United for Patient Protection went towards ads, rallies, and other voter outreach associated with a bus tour 
supporting Sanders, according to the report. Sanders this month thanked the union's members, quote, for their support in my campaign, unquote, and called National Nurses United, quote, one of the sponsors of my campaign, and I appreciate that. The pack ended last year with $1.1 million in the bank, though it has continued to spend heavily in support of Sanders' campaign for the Democratic presidential nomination. The 2015 fundraising tally of a trio of super PACs supporting Clinton's campaign, $56.3 million, dwarfed the cash haul of the nurses' super PAC, almost all of which came after the affiliated union endorsed Sanders for president. So that's the first big um, difference between this particular PAC that is supporting Bernie Sanders and the super PACs that Hillary Clinton has, that she has established, that she has fundraised for, um, and that took in $56.3 million last year. Sanders has continually swiped swiped Clinton as the candidate of big money, including in a statement released Friday, a couple of hours after the pro-Clinton super PACs announced their huge haul. It boasted that, quote, Bernie Sanders raised no money last year for a super PAC. Sanders, quote, doesn't want billionaires' money. He doesn't have a super PAC. He believes you can't fix a rigged economy by taking part in the corrupt campaign finance system in which politicians take unlimited sums of money from Wall Street and other powerful special interests and then pretend it doesn't influence them. And I think that's uh, another really important key in this particular pack, and in some of those people who attack this as a pack that is um, supporting Sanders and essentially saying Sanders has a pack, this is it. Bernie Sanders has not raised any money for this or any other pack. That is exactly opposite of what most of the other candidates do with their super PACs. They have major fundraisers with big donors that have to pay tens of thousands of dollars to get in the door and meet the candidate and um, fund that candidate's super PAC. And then um, more about the uh, National Nurses United for Patient, what's it called? National Nurses United uh, for Patient Protection. So more about that PAC here. According to the Super PAC's FEC filing, almost all of the PAC's cash flow came in the second half of last year, and every dime of it came from the union itself. So this is another thing that sets this PAC apart from the traditional Super PAC that gets unlimited money from big donors of any type, anywhere, anybody who has the big money that they want to contribute to the candidate can do so through a super PAC. This PAC that is run by the union is run from union dues and donations. This is not a PAC that is open to donations by anybody out there. So these are the members of this union who are putting their money together to support Bernie Sanders. And so just for instance, as this said, the this uh, National Nurses United PAC 
has raised uh, $2.3 million last year total. And just to put that into perspective, the pro-Clinton super PACs last year accepted $2 million from New York financier George Soros. So one single contributor to Clinton's super PACs donated almost as much money as all of the National Nurses United um, union members have collected for their PAC so far. And on top of that, uh, $2 million from Soros, um, the, the Clinton super PACs also got $1 million each from Steven Spielberg and Jeffrey Katzenberg. So in there's, there's a number of ways, even though this union is absolutely spending big money, to support Bernie Sanders. Um, There are a number of ways in which the money they're raising, how they're raising it, and how Bernie is not involved in that process differ greatly from a traditional super PAC that's out there supporting the uh, most of the other candidates. I believe the only other candidate running at this point that does not have a super PAC is Donald Trump who is financing his campaign mostly from his own fortune, uh, but is taking donations from his followers as well. And uh, one more endorsement. Uh, There actually have been a number of of new endorsements, a number of um, additional leaders from South Carolina are aligning with Bernie um, it's it's great to see more endorsements come in to support Bernie. And um, this particular one stood out to me that I saw yesterday. And this um, piece is from masspeaceaction.org. And does not say it has a specific author. It's more of a press release. Peace Action and Massachusetts Peace Action endorsed Senator Bernie Sanders for President of the United States and will work for his victory in the Massachusetts primary, March 1. Every gun that is made, every warship launched, every rocket fired signifies, in the final sense, a theft from those who hunger and are not fed, those who are cold and not clothed. This world in arms is not spending money alone. It is spending the sweat of its laborers, the genius of its scientists, the hopes of its children. And that was a quote by President Dwight D. Eisenhower. The above quote, which was used by Senator Sanders on the floor of Congress, arguing against a bloated military budget in 2013, is one he paraphrases on the campaign trail in a way that underscores the strongest aspect of Senator Sanders' pro-peace, anti-war record in public service. Senator Sanders' record on the military budget is unique for its consistency and courage over a decades-long period. He has opposed every annual defense authorization and appropriation bill submitted during his tenure. He has been for subjecting the military budget to the same audits to which the rest of the federal budget is subjected, and to drastically cutting it in order to fund programs needed to address social inequality. 
Sanders has advocated for rebuilding the nation's infrastructure, rapidly shifting to a non-carbon, highly efficient energy system based on renewable sources and funding unmet human needs for education, health, and housing. Alone among his fellow Democrats, Senator Sanders has identified climate change as the greatest single threat to our country and has clearly spelled out a solution which includes the U.S. leading a new international collaboration necessitating a close, friendly joint effort between the U.S., Russia, China, and India, among many other nations. His platform concerning peace and war acknowledges the need for a strong military capable of meeting threats to the nation and its vital national interests, but rejects the role of world policemen. It recounts Sanders' history of opposition to all the wars we have engaged in since he began public life, except for Serbia-Kosovo and Afghanistan. In a democratic debate, he strongly opposed the U.S. policy of regime change from Arbenz through Gaddafi to the current effort against Syria's Assad. Sanders is one of only three senators to co-sponsor the SANE bill, which would significantly cut spending on nuclear weapons modernization. He has consistently opposed the Trans-Pacific Partnership, and he calls for developing a system of fair trade rather than free trade agreements. His theme is always, in every crisis, to try the diplomacy and to exhaust it before taking up arms. We understand that Bernie Sanders' campaign against, the, against inequality is critical to building the peace movement. The group that benefits directly from our foreign policy is the economic elites, the billionaires, and they dictate the terms of our foreign policy in their interests. Today, 10% of Americans control 60% of national income. Bernie Sanders' challenge to Wall Street, the billionaires, and government corporate collusion is exactly what will empower the 99% and make possible a foreign policy for all. Bernie Sanders is not a flawless peace candidate. He has not challenged the administration's acquiescence to Israel's settlements, to Israel's settlements and violence or on the billions it gives annually to Israel's military. His proposals on the Syria-Iraq war would allow U.S. military support of Saudi-led anti-ISIS coalition if one were to emerge. He has not ruled out killings by drone. But he comes closer than any candidate in decades who has had a serious chance to win the presidency, embodying the values of peace and justice. In challenging the elites, or establishment, and in seeking to restore a democracy to the people by constructing a people's campaign capable of mounting a political revolution. The Sanders campaign stands out as a unique force. It comes at a time when it just might have a shot at winning. Massachusetts peace action should be part of that effort. The decision to endorse was made by both our national board and our Massachusetts state board. National and state members each supported the endorsement by more than a three-to-one margin in an email poll. So, uh, peace action, which is a very consistent voice for peace and against militarism, um, was it, I was um, not involved directly, but I I worked alongside some people, some members of New Hampshire Peace Action, uh, a couple of decades ago, and I think it is a great organization and really respect their recognition of Bernie Sanders 
and what he stands for and where where he's not exactly aligned with them but still um have supported and endorsed him because they overwhelmingly support the same things that Bernie supports. So that will wrap up this episode of Bernie 2016. If you want to send me a message, you can email me at BernieUS2016 at gmail.com or you can follow me on Twitter at BernieUS2016. If you want to check out the back catalog of this podcast, you can find those episodes at Bernie-2016.com along with a link to my Flipboard magazine called Bernie for President. So as this episode started, it will end with more of this song, Two Masters, song about Citizens United and Bernie Sanders by Smooch McGee. Thanks for listening. That outsourced labor overseas Creating jobs will never be One of your priorities And if your campaign is embroiled With polluters and big oil You'll be a climate change denier In other words, you'll be a liar Campaign finance exploitation Could be the downfall of our nation dance to their applause You won't endorse disclosure laws Billionaires have break the game Your laws will all be in their name Do you think we can forget That you're forever in their debt flip-flop, dive, and swerve Two masters you can never serve One candidate won't take their bribes Or drink the Kool-Aid you imbibe He gets his funds from all of us Who else really can we trust? You may flip-flop, dive, and squirt Two masters you can never serve